welcome back to the Inclusive and Online Podcast. My name is Dan. I'm Kate. And I'm Kayla. And together, we're we're your hosts for the Inclusive and Online Podcast. On this month's episode, we're going to explore student accommodations. OU has been working in the digital accessibility realm for quite a while now, with formal workshops starting back in 2017. At that time, there were numerous lawsuits being brought against higher ed institutions because of inaccessible web content. Along with our colleagues from the Center for Excellence in Teaching and Learning, the e-learning department took a deep dive and learned about web content accessibility standards. I personally have experience as a student working with the Disability Support Services Office here on campus. For the longest time, I struggled with taking exams in person, and I had a difficult time transitioning back to in-person exams after the pandemic. Once I finally recognized and accepted that I needed to ask for help, I reached out to make an appointment with DSS. I am very grateful for my accommodations, and DSS was very kind and helpful in assisting me with getting accommodations best suited for my needs. In addition to accommodations requested through official channels, Oakland University community members are likely now familiar with the latest Moodle upgrade, Moodle 4.0, which was built specifically with accessibility in mind. Moodle, as well as other learning management systems, have made huge strides toward compatibility with the latest digital accessibility standards, and continue to grow and implement new and improved features to align with the latest research on digital accessibility. Instructors can take the initiative to optimize their course content to align with digital accessibility standards using tools such as Blackboard Ally and Brickfield accessibility tools. We'll dig more into this later on in the tech tools segment of this episode. But now let's get into this week's interview. We contacted our disability support services office here on campus and the Disability Support Services Coordinator agreed to join us on the show this month. So please join us in welcoming Christy Goff to the show. Hi, Christy. Welcome to the show. To start us off, can you tell us about the Disability Support Services Office and the services you provide? Sure. Um... So I'm the coordinator for the Disability Support Service Office. Our role on campus is to um, meet with students who have a documented disability. And um, we review their documentation and their own narrative of what is going on with them in school. And together, we use the documentation, the interview that we have with the student, our expertise, what we're available and able to do to um, develop an accommodation plan for each specific student that is requesting one. Um, Our typical services revolve around three areas. Um, We have housing accommodations and things that happen within housing. Um, And that is very separate because the other two are um, based around academics. So we have classroom supports and accommodations, and then we have testing supports and accommodations. So those are the three areas that we service. Um, different services that we provide, like our, this kind of goes into a little bit of some of the questions that I think you're going to ask, but um, the accommodations are like testing accommodations, um, things like extra time for exams, uh, taking tests in a reduced distraction testing environment. Um, some students need readers. 
uh, for their exams. Some need scribes for their exams. That would be examples of the, that testing component of accommodations that we provide. Then classroom accommodations, those tend to be things like um, if you had a, like a medical condition that affected you physically, we provide different furniture, tables, chairs, um, recordings of lectures, um, interpreters for deaf and hard of hearing. Um, we also have to have provide cart services, which is like real-time captioning, um, things like that. And those are the things that we do in the classroom. And then for housing, those revolve usually around medical conditions, things that you might need extra supports for, different type of dietary plans, different types of rooms, things like that. Um, that's like the big, well-rounded idea of, of what we do. Yeah, you know, the academic com accommodations, I'm always thinking, you know, in that kind of realm, the housing aspect of that, it didn't even occur to me. I mean, it makes perfect sense as to why you'd be involved in that, but I'm just so ingrained in the academic side of things. I hadn't thought about that part of uh, the student experience. And, and it is, uh, you have to kind of flip your focus because it, it you, academic is probably 75, 80% of, of what we do. So when a housing one comes in, in particular right now, is housing central because they're all picking their housing for next year. So you kind of have to have a different mindset, more of a medical mindset than an academic mindset when that happens. So overall, generally speaking, what are some of the more common accommodation uh, requests you get from students? Um, pretty much the ones that I just mentioned. Those are our most common ones. So the very most common one that kind of falls across all disabilities is time. And so our, our major accommodation um, that I would probably say, and I'm not, don't, this is not exact, but at least 80% of our students receive some kind of time accommodation, um, extra time for tests, quizzes, um, anything that is a, a timed function within a single day of a classroom experience. Um, that is the most common one. Other, um, like it's for ADHD or attentional issues, um, testing in a different area, uh, it's called reduced test, reduced distraction testing environment. That is, you know, really common that we um, provide that. Um, readers and scribes tend to be scribes not as much, but readers more so. If you have a, a significant learning disability, dyslexia, reading comprehension issues, um, things encoding issues, things like that, readers can be a really big um, accommodation that we provide. Um, and then probably for classroom recording lectures. If they're not already recorded or they're not allowed to be recorded um, for students again who have attention issues they might have physical issues which prevent them from um, writing quickly so their ability to get down the information that they need becomes you know very difficult in recording lectures with the allowment for them to go back and fill in those blanks of the things they missed those are probably our pretty our most common accommodations and on the other side of things, what are some of the like less common ones that will come up, like yeah. things that might surprise someone who isn't familiar? Oh, I don't know if they would surprise anybody because they're pretty basic, but th like changing classrooms because you're in a wheelchair, um, that, that kind of goes hand in hand with disabilities. But most people, when they think of disabilities, think of people in wheelchairs or blind or, or you know, deaf, hard of hearing, things like that. Those are our smallest groups on campus of students that we service um, because, you know, if they're in a wheelchair and that's their only 
disability or, or thing that they need accommodated for. They don't need any ac academic accommodations if they're at, you know, their classrooms already are accessible. They don't even register with us, so we don't know. So very far and few between are the accommodations, um, usually for physical environment. Those are our least, the least area that we service. Um, other ones that maybe I think, but it's more housing related. It would be like ESAs, like emotional support animals, um, things like that. Those aren't as common. Um, different readers and scribes, depending on what the need is, those are can be uncommon based on like, is it for a vision issue? Do you know what kind of software and accessibility do they use? Do they use JAWS? Do we need to? Do they not? Is it more of a um, a recent? disability. If you have been blind your whole life, you've grown and learned all of the different accessibility tools and equipment as you've grown. If it's been an accident, an illness, something that it's just been put upon you, you don't necessarily know all of those things. So we try to fine tune our accommodations to help with that learning process of figuring out how to use JAWS or a screen reader or different equipment like that. So it might come across as a reader, but it might involve a bunch of little other steps, depending on where you're at in your disability. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of curious more in like this kind of niche area. Does your office have a hand in providing accommodations to faculty and staff at the university as well? Um, I do not do that. I think my, our director, Sarah, is going to be starting to do that, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, that usually is, is a role through HR, um, and it's completely separate. Uh, so I do not meet with any faculty, any staff um, on campus at any time for their own personal accommodations. But I do know that we do have some, that I know of anyway, some a few faculty and staff that do receive accommodations. I'm sure there's much, much many more than that, but I know that there are them out there. We just do not service them in any way. What kinds of obstacles to accommodation plans do you run into at DSS? Um, more so on the front end is students providing documentation. So all students, when they um, are looking for accommodations, have to have documentation that describes what their diagnosis is. Um, it should include things, any testing information that, they, that they've done to support that diagnosis. It should discuss their symptoms, how severe and frequent they are, and kind of what limitations they have because of that particular diagnosis. And it is probably a 50-50 of some 50% of the time they come with that documentation and 50% of the time they don't. And then that is um, an obstacle because it takes us longer in the process to complete that process because we have to have something that we can go off of in terms of knowing where to meet that student, at what level of accommodation do they need accommodations? Because um, it could be very simple type of accommodations uh, they might be much more elaborate and need much more you know attention we just don't know if we don't know what the diagnostics are what the testing information and the scores say so that's probably our biggest obstacle is getting students to get us that information so when we meet we can have a clear picture of what's going on to decide on the accommodations um, other obstacles are students who wait too long um, to request accommodations and they're not retroactive 
So we can't, if something is going on with the student, but they thought they could work through it on their own, and then they found that they really couldn't, and they need accommodations, we can't go backwards and add accommodation or have them like retake tests or, um, you know, not have assignments count because they weren't accommodated at that time. And that can be really frustrating for a student because they've known they've had this disability, but because they weren't registered with us, there really isn't anything that we can do. Um, and then we sometimes we have obstacles with professors and faculty uh, just not knowing um, about accommodations or not knowing what they're supposed to do. Um, and sometimes that causes conflict between the student and the professor. And we always encourage them to contact our office so that we can kind of liaison with them to solve those problems or edu provide education or ideas um, of how it can be solved. So those are kind of like the three areas that we have that are obstacles. Uh, I kind of want to uh, go back a little bit here too. You'd mentioned that requests for the physical classroom space that probably the least frequent of the types of uh, concerns you have coming your way. But we also know over the last you know two, three years, the classroom has shifted a lot. And there's you know a lot more reliance on the tools for online learning for both face-to-face -face and online courses. And do you find that you get any types of requests that are specific to online courses or do online and face-to-face -face courses tend to have similar types of requests? They're very, very similar implementation might be different, but the requests are usually exactly the same. So um, online, there's definitely more need for um, captioning um, in, in providing, you know, accessibility that way or the ability to use screen readers. Um, that's, those are, those two are the two biggest areas of concern with online learning besides um, proctoring. Proctoring for exams becomes a big issue. Um, when it's a virtual environment versus an in-person environment. You mentioned a little bit about um, liaisoning with faculty. Uh, and what kind of assistance do you provide the instructors? Um, like if, if an instructor needed help implementing a, uh, an accommodation, like what, what would they expect from your office? Um, so most professors don't have to implement anything. Um, the, if, if a the biggest one would be testing and, um, if a student receives time and a half for an extended time for testing and they don't receive any other accommodations, um, it is an agreement between all the offices of the university that the professors will provide that. And sometimes they do not, um, feel they have the necessary time or availability to do that. And that is not something that we assist with. We ask them and as part of this agreement, they go to their deans, their chairs to discuss, you know, like what resources are available to us. Uh, is there any other faculty, any other staff that can assist with this? Is there other rooms available? Is there other times available? So for that's the largest accommodation that faculty actually have to implement. That's like the biggest one. Other than that, um, Probably the next, the only other one that they are actually a part of implementation, but they don't have to implement it, it would be closed captioning. So if they have videos or things like that that need to be captioned, they would send that to us. And then we, we send it out to a service to have it captioned um, 
if they want, you know, like a student needs a transcript or they need the, you know, the closed caption, they need the interpreter to, they can do remote interpreting, things like that. But that's not, none of that is done by a professor. So really it's just that time component for testing that they need to help with the accommodations. Otherwise we pretty much do everything else. What types of questions or concerns do you people bring to you regarding using Moodle or online learning in general? Um, our students are tend to be very black and white. They either like online learning or they do not. They um, feel it's very accessible to them or they do not. Um, it's It just really seems to be they can handle it, like it. It is a very good style of learning for them, which is particular to any student. Um, we have had students have difficulty with Moodle um, with screen readers. That would probably be our biggest Moodle concern is, is uh, for students who need screen readers. Sometimes it seems to be compatible and sometimes it doesn't. And I think that happens that probably is more based on the content on Moodle than Moodle, the platform itself. Um, and they usually, you know, refer them, refer their professors to e-learning to kind of try to figure out what can be done. I'm not a Moodle or an IT expert, um, but that's usually kind of, those are the biggest Moodle issues that we would find is that something's not compatible with a screen reader. Um, classes that are available only online and in the e-learning space, some of our students really struggle with that. Students with attention, um, disorders or, or uh, things related to, I guess attention would be the best word to use, attention and focus and distractibility. Um, some students find that online learning component kind of takes away the outside environment and makes it better. Um, but pretty much another half of those students, it's the opposite because they're only in their own space and they are on their own computer the distractions that come into their head and into their physicality area really just make it difficult to focus just on that small 13 inch screen. So it just depends on the student. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense in that you know, faculty members, individual faculty members have complete control over you know what they put on their Moodle course uh, and you know the level of accessibility that goes along with that. Uh, if you're a neurodivergent student, having a lot of those distractions taken away, well, if you have just as many of those and a lot of moving things and, and, and interesting things happening on your course page, even if they're they're decorative, that can be enough, you know, to really shift somebody's perspective of what's happening there. So I think it's interesting to say some really like it and some really don't. I'd be curious to see, you know, what kind of their experience within Moodle looks like with the. Uh, some of those tools there. So are, are you familiar with any of the accessibility features in Moodle? What do you like about them? Is there anything you'd like to see in future versions of Moodle? So I don't have access to Moodle. We are not allowed onto Moodle. We don't have any access to Moodle unless we are enrolled in a course. And we have done that in the past specifically for interpreters and um, uh, online captioning and cart services or real-time captioning. For that, we usually have to have a professor enroll us in their course so we can access their Moodle page and their Moodle environment to see what is available, not available. And then um, we work with the captioning and getting it onto the site. But no, um, other than that, I've never been on Moodle. 
um, it, it, besides those instances. Yeah, we certainly know some people who might be able to to help you out with that. Uh, we could talk to you on the site about that uh, later, but uh, I would love for you to have access to those many of those features. And in systems like eSpace, it's just Moodle on a different server. It's not tied to the academic side of things. So you're going to find many of the same features in eSpace. You should find the exact same features in eSpace than what you would in Moodle too. So we'd love to give you a hand on that side of things. Sure, that'd be great. Shifting gears a little bit, um, do you uh, find that you get accommodation requests um, regarding classes that are held live on Zoom? And what do those requests look like? They would be the same as, as any other class. Um, really, there is not there is not a big shift or difference between accommodations in online learning and in-person learning or asynchronous versus synchronous. Um, if you need extra time for an exam, you're going to need it, whether it's in person or online. If um, you need to record the lectures, you're going to either be able to record them on a computer um, or use a digital recorder in the classroom. If you need um, captioning services, they're going to be captioned on your computer or they're going to be captioned live in the classroom with a captioner sitting next to you. Um, so really, they're, the only difference is how we give them to you whether they're tech, you know, they're on the computer or whether they're in person, but the accommodations themselves tend to be the same. Because when we went um, through COVID and everything was online, there, we were anticipating there being more or different needs and there wasn't. It, it was really the same types of concerns. You know, how am I gonna do my testing? How am I going to have access to my lectures? How am I going to, you know, um, get my notes down? How am I going to do those different things? And so maybe we had to use more technology for that, but they were still the same accommodations. Does that make sense? Yeah, very similar to what a lot of people had to do is like figure out how am I going to do these same things, but shift it to an online environment. Mm -hmm. You know, so the requests weren't necessarily different. Maybe, you know, we would have to do a split screen proctor versus you sitting in a room with me proctoring, um, you know, different things like that. But the actual accommodations were, they were all the same. And what are some accommodations that are not currently available that you think could be beneficial for students? So um, I was very interested when I read that question because accommodations that are needs for students are always available. There isn't something that is a student needs that is not available. Um, by law, we have to provide it if it's a need. So there isn't anything that is not available. Um, and accommodations are needs and not preferences. So yes, there are lots of students that would like um, all professors to provide PowerPoints before class starts so they can have them printed out in their hand because that is the best way for them to take notes and understand the lecture. Is that a need or a preference? Well, that's a preference because they aren't. there's no barrier to that environment without having those PowerPoints. Um, that's just like an example I could give you. Um, they still have access to taking their own notes. They still have access to listening to the, to the lecture as anyone else does. No one else has access, if no one else has access to those PowerPoints, you know, and they don't have access to those PowerPoints, 
there's no barrier. Everyone is, is treated equally that way. Um, so we work really hard to make sure that anything that is needed is provided. Um, very rarely would we have somebody to say, well, I need this and you're not doing it. Um, it, it usually goes between a preference or a learning style versus an actual need. Um, we work with students in the Academic Success Center as well um, to provide them with academic coaching. So that way, if it is a preference, you know, I only know how to take notes using um, PowerPoints. Well, you, we can teach you and we can work with the Academic Success Center to teach you different ways of taking notes to improve or help your learning where that's more of a preference instead of a need. That's like kind of the best example I could probably give. No, I think it's an interesting example. I've not had it laid out to say, is this a preference or is this a need? And I would suspect you could help faculty differentiate between what is a preference or a need if they had any gray area ambiguity about them. It, um, with professors, so we encourage professors not to provide anything to students that is not written on their accommodation letter as an accommodation that they seem think is necessary. Um, it just goes down like a real slippery slope. We usually encourage them to contact us and let us talk it through with them, with the professor of why this would be a need, why this would be a preference, um, different things like that, because we have access to their medical documentation and way more information than a professor does. Um, so a lot of, we do have a lot of good conversations with professors of why, why we would approve one thing but not another for a student um, based on that medical documentation and on that need preference based. Um, it, it is about leveling the playing field. Um, a lot of students who are not in DSS or registered with us consider it an advantage um, for students and it's not. There, there's not an advantage. Um, they just need equal access to the materials any other student does. Um, and that's our goal in providing it, not to make sure they succeed or make sure they um, pass their course. That's always up to the student. And they're, you know, they're studying and test taking tendencies and things like that. Our accommodations should make it able for them to show what they know. That's our big line in our office is, you know, you still have to know and perform the information for the class. We might give you the extra time to do that. We might give you the computer program to do that. But if you don't know the information or aren't capable of um, presenting it for whatever reason to a faculty member, you know, in accordance to their curriculum, that isn't something that we're going to be able to, to help with. That, that part's on the student. Well, this has been insightful and outstanding. Thank you absolutely for being here today, Christy. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd want to share with our listeners that uh, we haven't discussed already? Really, if you think you have something that is blocking your education, that's something that is a barrier and it is not revolved around you need to study more, you need to change your techniques of learning, you know, that, that it is something that is blocking your education, contact us. Um, it, it never, it's always no, if you don't ask. The answer is always no. But if you ask, you know, there, even if you ask and we say, you know what, there isn't any accommodations for, for what you're asking about, but here's all these resources. You know, we can always provide you something. So we just really recommend come talk to us, ask us, 
you know, um, ask your primary care doctors. If you are in therapy, ask your therapists. You know, if, if there's a diagnosis for something, there's usually some way to help accommodate it. And just, we can't reach out and say to students, we have a disability and we could help you. We're, you know, we can't do that. But if they come to us, we can say, you know, hey, if you have a disability, you know, let's let's get it documented. Let's get some resources. Let's look at it as a whole picture and get you some help. Um, and that's all, that's our goal is to help any student that needs any type of an accommodation for, a, you know, a disability related need, whether it is housing, your building that you're going to your classes in and you need an elevator key, or it is you need a different chair or you need extra time. All those things impact students significantly. And we just wanna be able to help. If you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you may remember season one, episode three on Blackboard Ally, the accessibility checker that was integrated into Oakland University's Moodle site at the time. Blackboard Ally is a great tool, but there are a variety of accessibility checkers out there that can help you start making small changes right now to improve the accessibility of your courses and content. For more in-depth information on accessibility checkers, feel free to go back to Season 1, Episode 3 to listen. But for now, we'd like to introduce you to our newest accessibility checker from Brickfield Education Labs. For our Tech Tool segment today, we'll highlight some of the features that Brickfield provides to staff and students here at OU. Well, we're not going to take the time to go in-depth on many of these tools. I think some of the main features we really love about the Brickfield Accessibility Plus Review Block is the option for alternative formats. So no actions required from the faculty on these. Alternative formats allow students to access resources in a variety of accessible formats. In addition to converting files such as Word documents to or PDFs, Brickfield can also provide alternative formats for other Moodle resources, such as the Moodle book or page resources. We can also do accessibility scans and automatic bulk fixes to courses, which is a great feature in helping you remediate any accessibility issues in your course. So it allows faculty to scan their courses. It gives you a number of options for automatic and manual fixes to inaccessible content. A great example would be updating uh, bold text to the more current standard of a strong text. And these indicators are important for screen readers when explaining uh, to visually impaired students and, and giving context to the content in the course. It can identify images that need alt text. And really, it's as simple as clicking a button to do a bulk fix on all these items. Or you can fix things individually if you truly intended for the content to be uh, delivered in the way that you have it. So there are a lot of benefits to using this uh, block and this accessibility feature within Moodle, and we hope you do. Check out some of the resources linked in the show notes to learn more about Brickfield and how it can help you create a more accessible Moodle course. We'd like to thank Christy for joining us today. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. We value your feedback and your ratings and reviews will help others discover our show. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Inclusive Online Pod. If you'd like to get in touch with us with your ideas, feedback, or request to collaborate, you can send us an email at inclusiveonlinepod at gmail.com. We'll be back next month with our next episode. Till then. 
We hope you feel included.